Welcome to Empty Opinions. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Empty Opinions podcast, the place for all things culture. My name is Lottie Polanco, a.k.a. E4, a.k.a. Yes, I did it right this time. I've been practicing that one, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been practicing that one. Shout out to Uzi. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit sick, as you can tell from my voice. It feels stuffy. I'm on the verge of coughing anytime soon. <clears throat> All I got to do is that, and I no longer have to cough. And if I cough, you know, it's because I jinx myself. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think it's good to hold in a cough. Or is his knees? What's the what's the phrase? It's not good into holding his knees because you're supposed to let those things out. Is that the same thing with coughing? Like if you can help not cough, is that better? Is that like scratching an itch? I would imagine so because your throat gets irritated when you're coughing. That's the reason you're coughing. So I'm gonna try my best to not cough. Um but yeah, before we get into the many topics we have written down, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Follow me on Spill. You might not know what that is, but it looks like that's the next big thing. Next big social media app. It's been a while. The last one I can remember was, uh, what's the one where you could talk? I forget the name of it, but that's the one where you can like, oh, uh, it's like house something. I forget, but it was big during the pandemic because you could basically do podcasts and it made like apps like Twitter and Reddit have that feature where you can just voice chat in a group of people. I forget what that app was called, but you remember. It was very exclusive. You needed invite codes. Spills the same way. I'm not giving out any invite codes, so figure it out. But if you do figure it out, follow me there at Eladio Talks. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd at Eladio Talks. Uh, also, you can follow this podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at opinions empty also you can check out the youtube channel empty opinions and you'll find me there as well if you want to see clips from this podcast uh what else is there to promote uh check me out i'm the co-host and i guess executive producer of uh and just overall building block foundational block some might say of the listen to this while you shape podcast uh check that out it's a very fun podcast there i get my more irreverent thoughts off if you enjoy that, if you don't want to see me serious, if you want to see me just joking around, having a good old time, laughing at some very inappropriate jokes, you can check me out there. But that's pretty much it for um, housekeeping. So without further ado, man, first thing I want to talk about is the pink tape. That's the thing. That's a new big thing that's happening. Something else happened that kind of stole away the shine from Twitter uh or, or took away the sean from the pink tape and that is twitter and i'll get into that in a second but yeah also i'm gonna be very laid back i have a fan on me it's been very hot in the studio recently and this fan at a low at a low uh rate it's keeping me very cool calm and collected so that's kind of the vibe you're getting on this one there's not gonna be a lot of yelling i'm telling you that much unless i get passionate maybe it'll happen but the Pink Tape finally released three years. It's been in the making. Eternal Take dropped in 2020. And um, usually when I talk about certain topics, I do a little bit of uh, 
context and give you all the background information you need, but fuck all that. I just want to say that the Pink Tape is probably Uzi's best album. That's, uh, I know it's going to be a hot take because people love that 2016 era of Uzi. People love uh, Lil Uzi Vert versus the world. Love is rage. Love is rage too. You know, people love those albums. And I'm here to say those are good albums, but the Pink Tape is just better because it's more ambitious. And here's the thing about Uzi, man. Everybody knows that Uzi is one of those artists that his personality kind of drives a lot of his popularity at this point. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he hasn't dropped an album in three years. He drops singles here and there. He just so happened to catch a big-ass single, which is one rock. One of the biggest songs of last year. So, you know, that's how he stays relevant. But in terms of his music, nothing has been quite as revolutionary or really mattered as much as that first and second album mattered. You know, Love is Rage and Love versus the World. And I'm trying to figure out why. And I think it's because the sounds on those two first albums, they were unique in music, you know? And I think afterwards, especially like, you know, in Love is Rage 2 and um, what the fuck is that album with uh, that they came out right after um, the album that came out right after. Lil Uzi Vert versus the world, the perfect love tape. <clears throat> Told you guys I'll be coughing. The perfect love tape. Um, that came out, and I feel like that album was just following up on the same sounds. And then Love Is Rage Two, to a way, it's just. I feel like ever since Lil Uzi Vert vs. The World, Lil Uzi has been trying to just kind of do that sound over and over again for the two albums following that. And then in 2020, he drops uh, Eternal Take. And I think with that one, he really tried something new. He stepped away from his normal sound. Granted, his fans didn't really love it the same way that, let's say, a lot of people from here, from Philly, loved it because... It was more of a Philly sound. Like, you hear it, and it's just like, oh, yeah, he's snapping on this. It's one that felt more local than any of his previous stuff. And I fe- it felt like he was really trying to rap. You know, like like swaggy rap, kind of, in a way, if that makes sense. So I really liked Eternal Take for that reason. He finally didn't just recreate the same sound that he pioneered. And I think then he dropped Love versus the World 2 which was just the deluxe version of Eternal Take. And I think that one's cool because it was just mostly leaks that the fans wanted. So it was kind of appealing to that um, melodic, again, back to that sound they pioneered. But then it's been three years since that. And now he's back with the Pink Tape. And like I said, I think it's his best album because he's treated it as an album, if that makes sense. And I think this is my problem with a lot of music that comes out nowadays None of it feels like albums. I think streaming kind of stopped artists from having to try and making things feel like albums anymore because whether it's a mixtape, whether you throw 10 songs together or you craft a 10-track pro- project, 
it's all the same in the eyes of the consumer. You look in the fucking Apple Music album section, and they don't differentiate between this album, you know, this this thing he put effort into it, right? This thing he did not, aka a mixtape. And by effort, I mean like thinking of it as a cohesive project. And that's why I love Pink Tape because it really felt like Uzi trying to make a statement. And it's funny because Uzi, at one point, he said that this album was so good that after he finished, he didn't know how he was going to follow it up. And I know exactly what he's talking about now. Because, I mean, I couldn't believe that statement simply off the fact that it was 26 songs. I'm like, how the fuck is that even realistic? And you hear that number, and it puts a lot of people off. And I think that number, it's what's going to keep people from truly realizing how amazing this album is. Because everybody thinks that all of it is going to be filler. And what I what surprised me the most about this album is that there really isn't a lot of filler. I think what in turn, I think what he really did is that he just used that length appropriately in the age of streaming. Here's how he justified the 26 tracks in this album. For one, he took the first half and just kind of did more traditional Uzi, more for his fans, right? Like literally up until... Well, no, I was going to say up until Just Wanna Rock, but before that, to be honest, I think up until All Alone, from Flooded the Face to All Alone, so tracks one to track 13, that could have been just the Pink Tape uh, regular Uzi album, and a lot of people would have been calling it mid, a lot of diehard Uzi fans would have been like, this is amazing, whatever, and I think every single one of these truly stands out in my mind, like I'm really like, I can vividly... That's the thing about it. Like, this is why I feel like at least this first. This is just the first half, by the way. That I think it's a the the weaker half. I think this half, a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, there's a lot of filler in there," and I don't think so at all, to be honest. Because "Flood of the Face" an incredible intro that sets the stage for. Okay, so he's really gonna try on this album, and Uzi typically has great intros, but this one, you're like. This sounds like he's putting a lot of effort. Then you go to Suicide Doors, possibly the best Rage song of all time. I haven't listened to a whole lot of Red, so maybe that maybe that album, but maybe there's a couple songs in there. But um, A with Travis Scott brings that kind of old school kind of uh, mosh pit kind of music, almost like an X vibe. And I remember listening to this track and I was thinking... I don't remember the last time I've heard a song this low in terms of tempo. All songs nowadays got to be fast as shit. Nobody's doing slow tempo songs. The, the only song I can remember that's maybe the slowest, and even this one isn't really that old, is that If Looks Get Killed. Not old, I mean uh, slow. If Looks Can Kill by Destroy Lonely, which I really like, but I haven't gone back to it because... It's one of those you hear a couple times and then you're cool. You don't got to listen to it ever again, which speaks to replayability and lasting factor, if that makes sense, which I think this album has, and I'll get into that in a second once it gets to the second half. But yeah, A, slow, kind of egg, triple X, kind of a, a song to me, it reminded me of, Crush Em, 
you know, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, repetitive, whatever. But the the the, the style in this question, the part where you say, fuck it. Fuck it. Uh, that might be one of the more underrated songs on this album. I'm not going to lie. Then you get to Amped, another uh, Ragey song, the less successful out of the two, but still really good. X2 is a like the real crazy fucking King Carson produced beat. Um, that and came back. That's the Roddy Rich uh, diss, apparently. Um, I, God, I got to really split up because uh, so, so much of this shit could be broken down. But I'll just keep it at just I'm talking about just memorable sounds alone. That and came back. Spin again. The, the I Spice the song. By the way, I've gone through what? Eight songs and these all eight songs stand out a lot in my mind none of them really blend together whatsoever and this is what i'm talking about where like there really isn't a filler because when you talk about filler it's just talking about songs that you feel are redundant within the album right when there's like a 20 track album usually it's the same eight tracks done two or three different ways that's why it feels uh, uh bloated these albums or like like filler none of these songs i've named so far have sounded like the same at all they, they're distinct in what you remember from them. Then that fire, the high-pitched singing in the beginning, no other song of the album has that. So, again, another unique song within the track. I Gotta, the celebratory kind of Philly anthem to me, sounds a lot like, you know, I mean, something off of Eternal Take, off of that uh, Philly feel. Spin Again as well. I mean, people in Philly right now are loving Spin Again. Endless Fashion, which is kind of like the popier the really probably the most poppy song on here uh the pop hit if we could say with Nicki Minaj uh uh you know kind of a, a sample on I'm blue which I know a lot of people are tired of because you keep hearing that kind of uh that sample everywhere but at least Uzi had different words he flipped the fucking sample nowadays a lot of these songs are just straight up covers which Uzi did but in a cooler way and I'll get to uh mama i'm sorry which is one that like starts with the with the guitar with the like the acoustic guitar at the beginning again that mama i'm sorry again another unique song and then you get to all alone so by the way that's one two thirteen all unique songs whether you like them or not is a different discussion i'm just talking about the purpose of these songs on this album that's that it feels you stop here all alone. You're all alone. That's when you go alone. Right? I think that's what it is. Uh, that's a melody on that one. And that just named those 13 songs. And I feel like that in and of itself, it's kind of a very good Uzi project. But here's what makes it stand out and be amazing. Like, this is what really is going to make this, you know, it's going to pass the test of time. Because you go from. 14 to 26 and to be honest the bonus tracks is bonus tracks for a reason so i'm not even going to include those the next 10 songs on his album is where he leaves planet fucking earth with um well nakamura this is where he starts to get really weird because he literally raps over shinsuke nakamura's theme song insane that's something that west side gun has probably done in one of his albums not one of the bigger rap artists right now in the world. That's already insane. Did, did I love this song? Not as much as I did. Not, not as much as I wish. Because if I, 
the Nakamura theme song is too uh, like memorable for me, so it's weird to hear Uzi rap over it. But a lot of people are already saying that this is just a play for Uzi to, you know what I mean, to just perform at WrestleMania next year here in Philly with Shinsuke Nakamura. Putting that out there, that makes sense. Just want to rock again. It's already a hit, so we know it. But in the in the way that the album sounds, new sound he's throwing in there. A a a, a Jersey Club beat. You know what I mean? And then you go to Fire Alarm. Sam playing a fucking weird like I think I've heard the name of it. I'm not gonna pretend to know what that fucking song is, but like a French techno song, and then turning it into the craziest mosh pit drop of all time. Incredibly weird, and like you don't know where the fuck is going. Like Fire Alarm. Fire alarm, and then it drops into the fucking Uzi rapping with that a deep voice filter on his shit, dog. Then you go to CS Chop Suey, a cover of uh, uh, Chop Suey. A lot of people don't like it. Again, just something completely unique. And then you go to Werewolf again, another uh, like a, a metal song. Will bring me the horizon. Pluto to Mars. He goes back to kind of his normal sound, but this time it is very catchy. Probably the catchiest song on here. Like that, incredibly catchy. And then you go to Patience, which is probably the vibiest song on this track. And to me, it's probably going to be like um, like the hours in silence of this album, where eight months from now, people are still going to be playing this shit. It's going to be the perfect late night song, the same way the hours in silence is from Drake's last album. Then you go to uh, Days Come and Go. Which is just Uzi talking about his fucking insecurities. Talk about mature Uzi. You know what I mean? And that's not even it. Then he gets even more introspective in rehab. You know what I mean? And it's just just him just straight up detailing his experience going to rehab. I didn't even know Uzi went to fucking rehab. Had no idea in how in-depth he talks about it. How vividly. But just in a very low Uzi way. It's like, oh my God, that's so impressive. And then you get to the end, right? Again, I'm not including the bonus tracks. They're bonus tracks. It is what it is. You can take them or leave them. But they're not part of what the album is. Especially considering the last song is called The End. And it's the craziest, trippiest song you'll ever hear this year. Featuring Baby Metal. By the way, I just explained in vivid detail how, yo, that's so crazy. You know, I'm, I'm, I was going to make this argument anyways. But really looking at this track list... There's not one song that shouldn't have been on here. Every song from an artistic, from, from just a structural level, every song on Uzi's Pink Tape album, it makes sense that it's on here. None of them feel like redundant. Like they're all different in a way. And so I think of this and I'm like, oh, that's why this album needed to be 26 tracks long because Uzi wanted to, Uzi's at a point where he's big enough that he kind of has to serve a lot of different audiences, right? Like, there's a lot of people that want the rapping Uzi, that want the melodic Uzi, right? And a lot of these songs fall into those two categories. But then he added a third kind of part to this album that a lot of rappers don't do nowadays, and it's leaving room for experimentation. And that's what makes an album to me. When you experiment with a sound in your album, in a way that is, you know, controlled and is not too crazy with the way that he did with the three rock songs on here. I think that's what makes an album truly stand out because it's like it makes it like there's a lot to digest in an album. And that's what I mean with albums. This is definitely 
like this is the sec this is my second favorite album of the year behind Metro Boomin's album because it feels like a fucking album and nobody's dropping albums. Even let's say Jack Harlow, who a lot of people really like his stuff. And I like this album, his last one, Jackman. Because it's simple, straight to the point, just rap. I like that. You could tell there wasn't really no budget in there. Or there wasn't no effort into making it an album. It's just, I just want to, it's almost like a statement piece. Like, this is where I'm at right now in my life. And I'm going to let you guys know. And I like that better than what most people are putting out. Because even that had a purpose. But when we're talking about albums, nobody this year has dropped an album. And by I mean what an album is just something that feels fucking consequential. Something that feels like it has substance. Something you can go in and look into and get your money's worth to be honest and that's the other thing with albums nobody cares about crafting an album anymore because there's no pressure of people buying your shit before people would buy an album it would be like 10 to 13 dollars right now that's not the case now it's just you're just streaming it the value of music is fucking worthless because of streaming services and so now whether you're listening to a song or the whole thing doesn't fucking matter because music is so casual nowadays. And that's why I love this album because it feels like Uzi treated it like, no, let me bring importance back to an album. Even from the way that he did his rollout. The fact that we know the name of the album years, you, you know, with, with time, which allows it to build hype. Nobody does that anymore. Nobody knows the name of whatever fucking album is coming out until like two weeks before it comes out. How could you ever build hype that way? That's not smart. And also putting the name of your album out there forces you to really, you know what I mean? Like focus on that album. I don't know. I've said this before that the, the, the art of making an album is lost. And I think the pink tape kind of brought it back in a way. And I think people aren't giving this album its due because it's so fucking long. And because they're not kind of psycho freaks like me that go into an album and listen song by song and really digest it. People will put that shit on, on shuffle. And if you put it on shuffle, there's going to be songs you don't like. There's going to be songs you like, and it is what it is. But this one, like out of any album I've heard this year, this is one of those albums that you really got to listen from front to back to truly understand what he was going for. He did a fucking album. And whether you liked most of the songs or despised most of the songs, at least he tried to give you something of substance. And nobody is doing that in music anymore the last thing the last artist that did this was metro Boomin. that's it i literally can't think of like literally i was i listen to a lot of music so i've listened to a lot of the projects that have been released this year and they're all like eight out of tens at best you know what i mean because they're like oh this is pretty good this is borderline great but it's not amazing it's not blowing my mind what the fuck is going on literally I've only given two albums, nine out of ten this year. This album, this year has been ass for music. And hopefully people like Travis Scott or Drake draft albums that feel like albums. But Pink Tape is absolutely the best album of the year. And there's going to be an album that gets, you know, that gets appreciated with time. A lot of people seeing like a whole lot of red. But maybe even more so because people are going to go back to certain songs and be like, oh shit, he was doing this. Like the fact that there's a song on this album about Uzi detailing his rehab experience and nobody's talking about it. People are just talking about the three rock songs that may or may not have liked. Tells me that people didn't really dive into this album to really know if it was trash or not. This album defies easy listening. 
And that's what I like about it. You can't just like play it on the background and have an opinion on it. You really got to dive deep into it. And that's why I love it because nobody has an album like that this year. It, like nobody cares about making something that's not easy listen, easy listening. Because like I said, the worth of music has been devalued. So it's like, who cares about making an album that has substance? Will people listen to it or not? And the funny thing is, I feel like there are songs that are going to be pretty big hits. Are they? I mean, I think the Nicki Minaj one is because it's a familiar sample. Radio is going to eat it up. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm already seeing it in playlists on Spotify, like Best in Music and probably on Apple Music as well. Because they want people to like that's kind of the hit. Just want to rock is a big hit. But then songs that I think people will go back to time and time again. I think Patience, Days Come and Gone, Days Come and Go. I mean, I rehab are people are finally gonna find. I'm talking about just songs that are pl pleasurable to listen to that people are gonna keep going back to. Pluto on Mars. I think people are gonna really like. Um, Mama, I'm sorry. I think it's going to be really enjoyable. I think Spin Again, people are already like really loving it ever since he premiered it at the BET Awards. Crush him. I think it's really going to. Dog, this album is fucking amazing. And I've been living with it for the past three days. For the past three days. And that's why I can confidently say that. Oh my God. That was a good like 25 minutes that I talked about this album. Let me let me keep it moving. Let me talk about a couple more topics before my SD card runs out of space. Um, but yeah, the pink tape, I think people are going to come to appreciate it. You know what people are not going to come to appreciate years later? Twitter, because people are leaving that shit. At least the people that are most active on it. You know what I mean? Or the people that matter. Because to be honest, black people are the ones that make social media apps popular. And that rate limit shit that the Elon Musk added to that shit made a lot of people be like, I'm sorry, I can't use this app. I'm going to find another one. And the one I'm hearing is spill. That's the one I'm at right now. Find your own invite code if you want to get in there. But yeah, I think Elon Musk fucked up with this feature. Like that should be the most basic like point of marketing you know what i mean the idea of like you should let people use your app if you implement a feature that they that doesn't let people use your fucking app they're not gonna use it and then i've seen elon Musk tweet out something like oh you know i'm doing this on purpose because you guys need to take a break from using this app i'll call bullshit that doesn't make sense he bought it for 45 billion dollars you don't want to get your money's worth I would assume the money comes from people using your app. So why are you out here lying? Be like, no, the rate limit is so people can take a break from app, from this app. They're too addicted. Fuck out of here. I don't believe that. The only reason he's doing that is because he wants to save money on fucking servers. That's it. Like, you can't fucking trick me, dog. And now, you know, it's it's only a matter of time before it's kind of over, man. It's just you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Even if, you get, even if he gets rid of the rate limit shit. If this bill app works the way it's intended and they keep adding features because right now it's kind of a beta phase so it's not going to be perfect right away but if the developers are able to grow with the new audiences coming in and give them features that they they want and that they didn't know they wanted it's only a matter of time like i learned that spills uh founded by two black ex twitter um employees 
you know, and you can certainly tell because I hope Twitter doesn't do this and, you know, knock on wood. But the features are pretty much the same. It just has a different look and they renamed the different things. But there's a quote tweet at button. There's a like button. There's an overall feed It's basically tweeting, but with less characters. It's only 90 characters, which I really like. I like the fact it's only 90 characters because I don't want to read no fucking essays on my social app anymore. I don't care. You know, hopefully the 90 characters keeps it fun. I don't know if it will, but I hope it does. I hope it does. But yeah, I mean, Elon Musk, this feels like a feature that can't last. Like, I, I, I give it, it can't go on. This, this rate limit, this rate limit shit on Twitter can't last more than a week. If it lasts more than a week, that app will officially be dead. And even if Spill is in the app, like, I'm sure another app is going to come up. It's only a matter of time before we find new apps, man. It's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I just got mad. I can't believe Elon Musk would do that. Also, I ran out of thoughts. That's what that was. I might run out of thoughts out of this next topic because I only wrote it down because I don't really have a lot of things to talk about the the main big the two biggest things that happened was the big the pink tape and then the rate limit shit uh on twitter kind of cut into a lot of that discourse but the next thing that i want to talk about is dame Lillard requesting a trade i don't have much to say besides you know dame is running from the grind man i don't care what you say and i've been seeing a lot of people kind of defending dame because they're saying that obviously the organization is wants to rebuild but they're not being honest with him about it. I could believe that, but also you, you, you made it again, as with a lot of things that people get criticized for, you bring it onto yourself. You didn't have to be so hard about running from the grind and being loyal to your team, because especially here in the NBA, like, I feel like loyalty makes sense up to a certain point. Then you're just stupid. You know, like if Lucas stays with the Mavs for longer than he's that he should, then he'll be stupid because clearly the Mavs don't know what the fuck to do with him. They don't know what to do with him. They try to get him Kyrie, it didn't work. They actually exited the 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 season earlier, right? If I'm not mistaken, than before. So they let go of Jalen Brunson. It's just bad mistake after bad mistake. So if I'm Luca you know, fuck loyalty. You got to look out for yourself at some point, especially with a corporation. I'm not talking about your best friend. I'm not talking about your mom. I'm not talking about, your, I'm not talking about your dad. I'm talking about a fucking multi-billion dollar organization. They're going to, they're going to do whatever the fuck they need to do to make money. And, and sometimes you may help with that. Sometimes you don't. And that's why I'm not mad at Dame leaving. Because he gave it a shot. He gave he tried his best. The only problem is that you brought it onto yourself and now going to the Heat, which just made the finals, makes it it's different from when KD joined the Warriors, because uh OKC fought against the Warriors and lost. So going to the person you lost against is crazy. But joining a team that just went to the finals is also crazy. 
And I mean, Dame, there's been uh, rumors of Dame going to the Heat for a long time um, before they made it to the finals. But so I guess maybe it has nothing to do with that. But now it's a weird look that they did make it to the finals. But to be honest, they weren't supposed to. The the the, the Heat are were not supposed to make the finals. It's just every other team in the fucking East is ass. So I'm I'm also not gonna judge them too harshly for that. But yeah, it's so funny to me that it's so funny to me that Dame is running from the grind. Again, I don't blame him, but it's like you brought that onto yourself, buddy. You did that all to yourself. I guess I could say the same thing with Travis Scott with this whole Astro World controversy with the concert. He may have brought it onto himself by tweeting those things, but I'm not going to take that take because white people are trying to make this man seem like he's the devil. He doesn't talk. I'm not going for it. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault. Like, I don't care how much you want to argue that people were fucking dying on the crowd and that he didn't stop his set because he may or may have not known what the fuck was going on. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not blaming Travis Scott for that. And so that's why I was mad and subsequently glad that they charged him. And then the fucking jury just said, no, you didn't do anything. And this that was about criminal criminal charges. And it's so crazy because Travis Scott is about to start his um his rollout for Utopia, which should be dropping soon. And then the news drops of like Travis Scott gets charged uh with blah 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 blah. Uh whatever it was. Or gets criminal charges uh put on him. And I remember seeing that it was like and just you could predict it, why people celebrating. There's literally a subreddit on Reddit called Fuck Travis Scott of only whites wanting this man to never drop music and not only that to go to jail. And you bet your ass they were celebrating when they saw that that headline. There was just like, yes, he killed all those people with that crowd. He must go to jail. So weird to have animosity towards fucking Travis Scott. He hasn't done anything. The only thing, the only time I remember him talking really is in that video that's become a meme of him being like, oh man, him not knowing how to show, how to properly show emotion in that moment because he's a fucking human and all humans react differently to trauma. But anyways, everybody was, was glad, all whites were glad that he was getting criminal charges. And then like a day later, he was like, the jury, rightfully so, were like, that's not his fault. What the fuck are you guys talking about? And dropped those charges. And now I was reading something on one of the Travis Scott subreddits that like that apparently he's been holding back in his concerts. Like he hasn't been going as crazy because he wants to be, you know, be careful. But now with these criminal charges dropped and I don't think any in any civil uh, uh, lawsuit, he can just settle out of court with. That's not going to be too bad. Now he can just fucking go crazy. And and not feel like he has to step on walk on 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 heels or what what's the fucking expression? Walk you know, not make a lot of noise basically. Now he can fully just be himself, and I and I like that, and I'm excited to hear Utopia. Matter of fact, because I hated also the way that everybody switched up on him, talking about I never liked Travis Scott's music in the first place. Bullshit bullshit you never said that before the the fucking concert shit happened now you're talking about 
I was never, to be honest, I never really liked Astro World. I hate people, man. I never really liked. Uh, what the fuck is that song with Drake? What the fuck? Why? Why am I forgetting this? Oh, Sicko Mode. I was never really a fan of Sicko Mode. To be honest, when that song came on the club, I would close my ears. These people just capping. Nobody said they hated Travis Scott before that concert shit, and now so many haters, huh? I hate the way people flip up. And now watch Utopia drop. It has some fucking bangers on there. Guess what people are going to say again? This shit is hot. I never not liked Travis Scott. Huh? He was always one of my favorites. I bet you that's what they're going to say, man. I hate people. Um, What's the other song? I'm excited for Utopia. I'm excited for that Bad Bunny song that is going to be on there. Sounds incredible. Like Travis Scott getting into his tropical vibes. <clears throat> That's going to be great, man. I'm excited. I'm, I'm very, very excited. But that's about it for all the main topics that I had. Now let's get into some red rooms and get the fuck out of here, yeah? I haven't watched a lot of things. There's only two things I'm going to talk about that I've uh, consumed. Because like I said earlier, the pink tape is kind of taking most of my time, to be honest. There's so much to... I pretty much know every song by heart at this point, which is awesome. Even the ones that I don't like, which I feel like have a purpose. Whatever. That's my big tape discussion. First thing I want to talk about is Secret Invasion episode two. I almost made this a main topic until I realized it's been so long since that episode came out and I barely remember what happened in it. Um, All I remember is that there was a lot more... <coughs> Fuck. It was a lot more monologues and uh, and, and scenes of people doing lengthy dialogue. I know that much. It was less action-driven, less fast. It was more slow. It was more setting up what's to come. Um, what else is there? I mean, here's, here's what I'll say. This episode was definitely better than the first one, and I'm glad I was like, I said, I tweeted, I was like, Secret Image was cooking with grease in this second episode or some shit like that. And expectedly, people still find a way to hate on it. And it's getting to the point that I know people are just uh, nitpicking because it wasn't that bad. It was a pretty good episode. And people are just jaded with Marvel. And I get it. I understand why, but they're just jaded. Um, the one scene I could give it to them is that that scene of Maria Hill's mom being like, you get them. Whatever my daughter died for, you make sure that she died for the right reason or whatever, right? Like that scene, I, I agree wasn't good. It was a bad scene. But I think that was the only bad scene in the whole episode. Again, I'm loving Kingsley Benadier as a villain. He's amazing. I will say also, I agree that Samuel L. Jackson's act acting isn't the best <clears throat> in the show. Isn't he like the best performances ever? But it works, to be honest. I just like Nick Fury, so I don't mind. And that line from Nick Fury was like, I'm Nick Fury, even when I'm out, I'm in. It got me excited to see how he bounces back from this massive L of alienating his only scroll friend, pretty much, and, uh, and getting fired by the government. We'll see what he does next. And then what was the other thing that was crazy? That the reveal at the end of like Fury, Fury uh, going home to his wife. 
and the wife being a scroll. Now, the question is, does Fury know that his wife is a scroll or no? And uh, I can't really do too much speculation because I read a leak on it, and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not spoiling anything, but I did... I did find this out. And who knows? Maybe the leak is wrong. The same way that my fucking For All The Dogs leak last week was wrong. Who knows? But it's looking like... It's looking likely. Um, and if it is true, it's a, it, it makes it more interesting. At the very least. More complicated. And I love complication and drama. Makes it juicier. Um, what else was there about that episode? Uh, yeah, not not much. It was just listen. The show continues to be just super, super, super enjoyable. I play it front to back. I I I don't feel like my time is wasted at all. So that's you may think that my 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 bar is low, but with any superhero media, the goal, any gyro media, the goal is to make the audience have fun, and I'm having fun. So that's the only thing I could ask for. The last thing that I'll uh, talk about that I would definitely recommend, um, even if you don't speak Spanish, and it's Tiny's latest album, Data, Data. Um, Tiny is uh, like T-A-I-N-Y. I just realized if you say it like I said it, it's not like I'm saying like small in English, but it's a Spanish word for this producer, Tiny, who is probably the best producer in Latin America. Um, he dropped an album, it was like a producer album, but with every single big Latin artist that you could think of, and you listen to it from to back, it's like another person that made a true album. But here's the thing, this is going to help me solidify why I like the Pink Tape even more. There's a difference, because I think people still make albums. Like, I would say Metro Boomin's album is like a fucking amazing album. I don't know if that album had that many risks. I like an album that has risks in it, because that's what really makes it stand the test of time something that truly stands out for all from all the other bullshit that comes out but anyways tiny's data is kind of the same where it's like there's not a lot of risks necessarily it's a lot of experimenting with certain sounds but they're not necessarily risks it stays pretty much in like reggaeton area for most of it but it's just exquisitely produced you know what i mean and um it's a novel you can truly just very easily play front to back there's a couple of songs that I didn't like which is why i gave it like an eight out of ten but um eight out of ten is incredible and and that's you know ranking this album my other albums that i've done is what made me realize that this year has been awful for music because this is like my third favorite album and it's not even a nine it's at eight it's only two albums that given a nine this year metro boomings and uzis here's my top five just gonna read it out real quick my number five being here is, okay, I'll get to it, but, well, I'll start from five and then go to one, so, come on, you know, better, better to do it, more and more drama this way. My number five album is BK The Ruler's Level 5 Part 1. I really, really, really like this album. The fact that this is number five shows how awful this year has been for music. Number four, Lil Yachty, let's start here. One of those albums that I haven't it's not as replayable as I would want it to be. That's another thing that makes the Uzi album stand out even more. It's because it's one of those you can keep going back to over and over again, and you'll find something new in each song. And I like that about an album. It makes it, you know, replayable. It makes it last. 
But Yachty's album number four is pretty. I like that experimentation from him. Um, I haven't gone back to it in a while, though. Maybe I won't. And, you know, that's the test of time in that one. Number three is this tiny album that just came out. I just talked about. Number two is Uzi, Pink Tape, and then number one is Metro Boomin. That's my top five. It's an awful top five right now for the first half of the year. First half of the year has been fucking awful. There's only been two amazing albums. In Metro Boomin's album, and a lot of people's like way of ranking shit, that came out technically 2022. But for me, I counted for 2023 because I count December as part of the next year. Because a lot of people drop at the end of that year and it don't really feel like it's part of the year that it was in, if that makes sense. But yeah, those are the only two things I really watched. I've been pretty busy. There's been a lot of big shit happening in the in, in my life. Um. So yeah, man, that's going to be it for this episode, man. This was fun. Kind of low energy. Hopefully I'm able to get some good clips out of this. It's really all that matters. Clips, 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 baby. I want to start putting content also on uh, Spill. See how that goes. Like just original clips on 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 uh, Spill. I wonder what the ideal um, ideal like uh, sizes. What's the ideal like dimensions for Spill? That's what it is. Like, let me actually look it up real quick. For posting on Spill. Is Spill even in there? Oh my god. Spill's so new. That there's absolutely nothing coming up. So I'm just going to do the what the basic TikTok. Twitter shit. And just post it on there. That's going to be fun. But yeah. That's going to be it for this episode guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It's been fun. And um, yeah. That's all I have to say. See you guys next week. Bye.